Greetings in the name of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This devotional is titled, Surely It Is Coming. The glory of God is to know the future, and this glory belongs to Him alone. In Isaiah 42, 8, when God says, quote, My glory I will not give to another, end quote, that is set in a prophetic context. The very next verse says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. End quote. The true faith is uniquely a prophetic faith because the God of the Bible alone is able to predict and then bring to pass what he has foretold. And God does this with great precision regarding the latter days Gog and Magog event described in Ezekiel 38 and 39. In Ezekiel 39, 6, we read, and God speaking, And I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in security in the coastlands. They shall know that I am the Lord. In Ezekiel 38, 2, Gog is said to be of the land of Magog. Magog is the area that generally aligns with the former Soviet Union. Not only will God wipe out the armies of Gog on the mountains of Israel, he will also send fire on the homelands of the invaders. Back home, these people will think all is safe and secure, and in that context, God strikes them. The coastlands probably speaks of the furthest reaches of the territories back home. God's judgment is going to hit these people even in the extremities of their territories. The sense is that no part of their territory will be untouched. It very possibly includes areas along the Black and the Caspian Sea coasts. The fire is probably violent lightning. This would seem to be an extension of the judgment that God rains down on the invading armies. In 38.22, we find that God will bring on them, quote, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone, end quote. These are super destructive killer storms. Perhaps the fire is related to the seacoast in conjunction with strong hurricanes, which cause widespread destruction, but we are not given details. The end result is that then they will know that God is Yahweh, that he is the God of Israel, that he is real, and that they have just gotten whacked by him. They will then connect the dots of their attack upon Israel with the God of Israel bringing fiery judgment upon them and their territories. The connection will be so close that they won't be able to miss the obvious conclusion. There are many commentators who believe that in the power vacuum created by the destruction of Gog and Magog, that Antichrist will then come to the fore and very possibly claim responsibility for the destruction of Gog and Magog. Whereas God used fire in the destruction of Gog and Magog, the false prophet working in conjunction with the Antichrist will also be able to call fire down from heaven as seen in Revelation 13.13. In 2 Thessalonians 2.9, we find that the Antichrist comes according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So it is not beyond the realm of possibility that Antichrist will indeed take credit for the destruction of Gog. 2 Thessalonians 2.11 goes on to say that God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. The lie is a particular lie, the ultimate lie that says Antichrist is God. To make a claim of deity will require him to display this kind of power. In Revelation 13.3 it says, And all the world marveled and followed the beast. And verse 4 goes on to say, 
quote, and they worshiped the beast, saying, who is able to make war with him? One key reason they worship the Antichrist is because he deceives them into thinking that he is all-powerful in the matter of war. In Daniel 11, 37, 38, it says, Antichrist will not regard any god. Quote, for he shall exalt himself above them all. And it goes on to say, he shall honor the god of fortresses. The word fortresses found five other times in Daniel 11 and indicates a strong place related to military power. The idea then is that Antichrist will worship a god of war, a god of military might and power. In effect, Antichrist will worship war power. So in terms of the mind of Antichrist, his god is a combo of himself and by extension his war machine. This would certainly fit his claim to have destroyed Gog and Magog. Ezekiel 39.7 continues, So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nation shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. God is going to show the world that he is the one and only unique God. Holy means there is none other like him. He will make himself known in the context of his people Israel. This is key. His action will clearly show his connection to both the people and the land of Israel. For thousands of years, the people of the world have not really seen the overt, direct, supernatural intervention of Yahweh on behalf of his people. Yes, there were providential realities, but they were overlooked by the world. The world came to see Israel as nothing special. When the UN convenes and discusses Israel, there's no concern about the God of Israel reacting or bringing judgment because of their mistreatment of Israel. God's direct intervention has long been silent because he has allowed his people Israel to be under discipline during the times of the Gentiles as a result of their rebellion. However, the mistreatment of his people by the Gentiles has profaned his holy name. The world came to not have any respect for the God of Israel. Because they could abuse Israel at will, they no longer took the God of Israel seriously. They reject the idea of his power and intervention on behalf of Israel as seen historically in the Exodus. To profane God's name means to soil his reputation, to make unclean or pollute his reputation. It is to make him look bad. It is to make God look like he is unfaithful to his covenant promises or that they are of no effect. It makes God look like he is unfaithful to his people Israel. It makes God look like he doesn't care about Israel or is not able to help them. This is most grievous to God and nothing could be further from the truth. In allowing Israel to be disciplined by the Gentiles, God's reputation has been drugged through the mud. Today, much of professing Christendom, while claiming... while claiming to believe in God, no longer believes that God has an ongoing covenant relationship with Israel. Many think the church has replaced Israel. This is tantamount to saying God doesn't keep his covenant promises. This is blasphemy and profanes his holy name. And so, God's name has long been profaned as the Gentiles abuse and mistreat God's people and his land. But this war of Gog and Magog is going to change this reality. God is then going to intervene. He is going to make it clear that he is still the covenant God of Israel. Nothing has changed. This people and this land are still his, and he doesn't appreciate 
the Gentiles running roughshod over them and acting like Israel's God is not a factor to be reckoned with. God is going to move to get his reputation back as the one true God, the God of power, the God of Israel, the God of covenant relationship, the one true God of the Bible. And when God does this, he says, quote, Then the nation shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. When God intervenes in this way, the whole world will know that he is Yahweh, the unchanging covenant God of Israel. The world will then make the connection between the one true God of heaven and his relationship with Israel. For thousands of years, the world has never seen a demonstration like this, but they will. And God says, I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Never again will the world doubt God's covenant relationship with Israel. Never again will God allow his name Yahweh to be profaned like this. God wants the world to know that he is the Holy One in Israel and that he is the one true God, the God of Israel. This is a Lordship Yahweh issue. This is the stuff of the Day of the Lord intervention. It's in the Day of the Lord that God overtly makes his lordship known in the world. And we see here that he does it in conjunction with Israel in the destruction of Gog and company. This does not signify the conversion of the world. It is similar to when God showed Egypt in the ten plagues that he was Yahweh. Even though they were forced to concede to the reality of Yahweh, yet in their hearts they were still rebellious as seen in the fact that shortly after conceding, they yet pursued after Israel. In the surrounding context, there are generally two major interrelated issues here concerning Israel. Number one, God's reputation in regard to Israel. And number two, Israel's relationship with God. This event will bring correction to bear on both fronts. Ezekiel 39.8 reads, Surely it is coming! And it shall be done, says the Lord God. This is the day of which I have spoken. Note the extreme emphasis on God's sovereignty over this whole situation. Verse 2, I will turn you around and lead you on. Verse 3, I will knock the bow out of your left hand. Verse 4, I will give you to the birds of prey. Verse 5, I have spoken, says the Lord God. Verse 6, I will send fire. Verse 7, I will make my holy name known. Verse 7, I will not let them profane my holy name. Verse 8, I have spoken. God will bring this to pass. We have Adonai, Yahweh's solemn word on it. And then he adds in verse 8, This is the day of which I have spoken. This is not the only place the day is referenced as seen in 38.17. In particular, we have noted a great northern enemy coming against Israel in the context of the day of the Lord in Joel 2.20 and in Daniel 11.44. Beyond that, the day in view here is the day of the Lord that is referenced so often in the prophetic scriptures. Surely it is coming, because the Lord God says so. Live ready. Lord, we thank you for your sovereignty, and uh, Lord, we thank you for the uh, prophetic warnings that you have given us in the scriptures. Really a warning to all to live ready. Help us to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.